what really gets my dick hard is What? Metallica! Welcome to Melt Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And uh, it's time for another Revisited. It's only been about six years. It's been a while. It's been six or seven years, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our last one, if you've been paying attention, was about uh, us remembering Chris Cornell, which uh, was with our friend Paul Moak. Um, and it's been a while, so uh, we were kind of uh, planning out some future episodes, and we're like, eh, it's time for another Revisited. So, this week in Metallica history... We have the very first time they played the MTV VMA Awards, which uh, we just watched again right before we recorded this just to kind of refresh our memories. I remember this as a kid. Uh, I guess I was probably, it was 91, so I was in junior high. And I remember watching this being blown away. Like, holy shit, this is this new band I discovered. I heard Justice. I bought Puppets. The Black Album came out. And here's my new favorite band on... What I still consider a new network, I think it was about 10 years old at that point. Um, Eight, yeah. 83 was the... 83 was the inaugural year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So less than 10 years old, and I'm watching one of my new favorite bands on the VMAs, alongside a lot of artists that aren't really necessarily cool or (laughs) uh, definitely more pop. You know, you weren't blown away by Arsenio Hall's multicolored jacket. He had the coolest jacket back then. It's like he's wearing the like jacket that should be in a museum for what 1991 fashion was. Totally. It's like a jacket that's like kind of green, but it has all these patches and colors. Yeah, and it's, it's all little, very like, bright and loud. It's very loud. Now there's like I've actually like gotten gotten to this with my wife before where. She looks at the '90s like grunge, like dirty flannels on the stuff, no, and like, no. and like for instance, my my freshman year photo, which was nineteen, that would have been nineteen ninety two. Um, I had a mullet still, yeah. And she's like, I can't believe you had a mullet still, and I was like, No, 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 no. There was so much fashion and trends that carried over from the '80s into probably '94. Yeah, I was going to say early '90s kind of are still the '80s in terms they of were. fashion. They were. A lot of people don't, I think, recognize that or remember um, exactly. Uh, but Arsenio Hall is a prime example from the VMAs in '91. Because well, here's the deal: when you're hosting the VMAs in 1991, here's what he did that night before he got into his limo or whatever. Yeah, when he's in his house, he put all that shit on and looked in a mirror and goes. I look like the coolest motherfucker on the planet. I look like a guy that's going to host the damn VMAs. He, he definitely didn't go, I look like a guy that people will parody and make fun of forever. Totally. And about, this will be dated in about six and a half years. Yeah, exactly. Forever. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, this, I mean, for me personally, I was at the age where uh, this impacted me heavily. I watched the performance. I recorded it on my parents' VHS I rewatched it so many times because I thought it was the coolest thing. 
how big Lars's drum kit was, like the band was aggressive. They just didn't give a fuck. And this is only three weeks after the Black Album came out. Right. So it was all new and exciting. And they were, you can tell in the performance, they're real hot on the song. They're really they're hot on the song. pretty excited about yeah. the song. And as we all know, Enter Salmon is the most played Metallica song ever. Right. So this is, at this point, they've probably played it maybe a dozen times. Maybe they played it before the record came out on tour or something. But it's very new to them. It's interesting to see them play it in a way that's real excitable and exciting. Whereas, you know, we just saw them, you and I, both separately and then together on the, uh, the World Wired Tour. They're ending with it. It's their yeah. biggest song. It's all these years later. And they, they perform it with energy and passion. Of course, but yeah. To see them play it in 1991 for the first time on you know broadcast television. Right, yeah. There's a fire in that performance that totally. you know we probably won't see again for that song. Oh, the, and, and, it was and just if, so new. Yeah, and, and if those listening ha- haven't seen this performance, just get on YouTube and you can, just, you can easily search for it. Uh, 1991 VMAs. Um, I mean, th- from the get-go, I mean, Newstead's doing the windmill. Like, they're, they're all just fired up. He's wearing, yeah. I think it's the Sabbath True t-shirt, as he did. You know, we always wear Metallica shirts. But, like, I mean, they're all just fired up. It's awesome. Yeah, and they look good, too. Like, unlike Arsenio's <laughs> yeah. loudest jacket in the world vibe, they're all wearing their kind of typical black. Yeah. It ages well, their look, you know. Oh, it totally does. I mean, th- that's the thing, like, watching that, you notice, is it like, Hetfield's wearing like a black tank top, black jeans, playing a black, black on black on black, all the black, none more black. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's get into a couple facts about the VMAs this year or this year (laughs) in 91. I'm talking about this year, meaning 91. It's 1991 guys. I'm in eighth grade. Let's take a little trip back to a little, a little time. I like to call 1991. All right. We're going back to uh, Southern California. Ethan Luck is attending Los Lisos junior high. And uh, he's watching the VMAs. All right. So what happened? This is September 5th, 1991. It was uh, filmed at Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles, hosted by, who we talked about, Arsenio Hall in his loud-ass jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other little, little, little tidbits about this, uh, this year's VMAs was Pee Wee Herman opened the show kind of like a, as an intro to the show. Now, if you know about this or you watched it, this was uh, his first appearance after he got arrested for lewd conduct, basically jacking off in movie theater. <laughs> ja- I've heard someone say jacking off in so long. <laughs> if I could, get, if I could get vulgar for a second, um, I'm sorry, masturbating in a adult theater. Jacking off. Come on, it's it's Pee Wee Herman. I love Pee Wee Herman. He's awesome. But um, so he comes out. The show opens. He walks out on stage. The crowd goes crazy. Like, oh my gosh, it's Pee Wee Herman. I remember watching this because I remember hearing about that news that he was busted in an adult theater. I remember jacking off while watching this. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> I was eight years old. <laughs> you just want to put an excuse, excuse to say jacking off. Yeah, I didn't know. That, I didn't know it was actually part of acceptable vernacular anymore. Now that I now that you've broken the seal on that, I'm just ready to talk about jacking off forever. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's the funniest way to say it. <laughs> It's the funniest way. I could probably think of a few funnier things. All right, fair enough. Like what? Whacking off for one. Well, it (laughs) rhymes, so it's fun. Anyway, so Pee Wee comes out, crowd goes crazy, and he gets up to the mic and says, I can't do a Pee Wee very well, but he says, heard any good jokes lately? Yeah. Which is a pretty good joke. Heard any good jokes lately? Can you do a Pee Wee? No. (laughs) You sure? Never never tried. (laughs) (laughs) That was Ethan, by the way. For those of you who can't see us. Uh, That was Clint. 
Uh, so yeah, Pee Wee comes out. Daddy. He... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to use the phone. You know what? I, I can't can do, do it, Pee Wee Herman, but it's this one. Check this out. Do it. Paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, there's a telephone call for you in the lobby. Well, you got the quote wrong. You have a telephone call at the front desk. All right, but that was Pee Wee Herman. Yes, playing, that, that playing was the, yeah, very true. Uh, all right, I got, <laughs> I got one more. All right, go. I'm a rebel, Dottie. You got that wrong again. Fuck. I'm a loner, Dottie. A loner. I'm a rebel. I'm a loner, Dottie, not a rebel. It's a great movie. Well, obviously, you've seen it a few times. You know those do not uh, remove tags on mattresses? Yeah, well, I, I got angry and I cut one of them off. <laughs> That wasn't Pee Wee Herman. That was the other guy. Anyway, so Pee Wee opened the show. Uh, that's a fun fact. Uh, it was a big deal at the time because he had a huge show in the 80s, in the 90s. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, another little fun fact. Poison, our beloved Poison. Uh, came Someone's out, beloved Poison. Someone's beloved Poison. They came out and played Talk Dirty to Me. And CeCe DeVille, let's be honest, all their performance was terrible. But it Ce- sucks. It sucked. But CeCe's was the worst. At one point, his guitar cable came unplugged. And Brett looks over at him. He's like, what did he say? He's like, come on. It was bad. It was really bad. It was so bad, according to Brett Michaels, that they got in a fist fight backstage and CeCe was fired. And that's when Richie Coatson came in and played guitar for Poison. It, should, it is good to hear that, that even in the decadent 90s, because the performance, he's obviously f- super fucked up. Oh, for sure, yeah. He's he's running around. He's occasionally landing solos, but it's all muscle memory because yeah. he's gone. He's yeah. not there. In fact, it would be even uh, clinically safe to say that Brett Michaels did not get into a fight with CeCe DeVille that night. He got into a fight <laughs> with a demon. He did, yeah. Who, uh, who uses his body as an avatar. But it's nice to know that you can get fired for playing poorly. At that time, the VMAs were huge, dude. Huge. So I don't know if CC. I don't know. <laughs> thankfully, I don't know a lot about poison, but I don't know if he d- d- is an alcoholic, if he's drug addled, or if he was just anxious about the big night. He drank a little too much. I think all of the above, especially with alcohol and substances. But he sucked. He sucked. It was bad. And outside of like the leads in that song, it's it's like three chord power uh power chord rock it's it's not hard oh, it's real hard to go down did it down did it down did it he pretty much does that with yeah. his wall of crate amplifiers yeah he had about 12 crate 412s on and stage. he had that chorus pedal on fleek as the kids say yes he did uh yeah it was a terrible guitar tone terrible performance so and all and, just... and i would even say it's a, it's a shit song i'm not into it yeah i mean like we talked about before it's it's like a fun party song but that doesn't mean it's good. It's just a, it's poison. I mean, poison to me is like a, it's a, f- a kind of a frat party band. They're just, they're fun, but that doesn't mean they're good. I mean, like, I think CC is a good guitar player. Like if take the drugs and alcohol away back then, the dude can play, but it doesn't mean like they're making these amazing timeless songs. They're timeless in the fact that like, you know, um, uh, pour some sugar on me is timeless, or no? Pour some sugar on me is timeless. Talk dirty to me is is time is timeful. Uh, I mean, I would say yeah. I mean, I would say timeless. As in, I mean, what's another cheesy kind of uh, shit? I, I'm blanking right now. But basically, in my opinion, I'm not going to sit there and listen to Poison records. However, you're going to watch Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse and listen to Poison records and Jack Off. I couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't even name a Poison record. Open up and say ah. 
Oh, there you go. Look what the cat dragged in. Flesh and blood. I didn't go through a phase. I hope everyone at home is taking notes. This is why he's def- he did it before we hit, even started rolling. He was defending the song. Like, and Man, this- it's a good song. It's a fun song. It's a party. I'm like, I don't, I've never partied to that song. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to turn this into a poison podcast. Darryl, dee, dee, so let's move on. We got, uh, and this is up your eye, this next fact. All right. This was the last appearance in public of Eric Carr of Kiss. Oh, man. Before he passed away, and it was two days before he went into the hospital. Wait, did they do a song? What did they do? No, no, no. He was just there. Uh, I, I researched this for, no joke, about two hours today because I couldn't find, because like, on whether it was Wikipedia or anything I could find online. Because that would have been re- the revenge record for yeah, Kiss. Yeah, there was nothing about Kiss performing. He was just there hanging. I think him and the band were just there as attendees. And then I finally came across some random Kiss message board. I couldn't even tell you what the website was, but somebody finally said, "Oh, here's the photo of him with a couple like models or something." How's he was, looking? He actually looked pretty good. So, for those of you who don't know, Eric Carr is was the second drummer for Kiss. He very famously slash infamously, depending on how you look at this, replaced Peter Chris in 1980. Yep. And uh, the story is that he was actually a, a homeless living in New York. And Paul Stanley's limo came to a stoplight, and he was washing the window on the limo. Oh, so he was like a squeegee kid. Oh yeah, as we called him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Paul and they were they were Peter had been fired or Peter had left. It's all all this drama around that time, seventy nine, eighty. And Paul asked this dude. Paul started talking to him. He said he was a drummer, and they wanted to get they specifically wanted to get someone who wasn't famous. Yeah. At, the, at this time, Kiss was huge. If you're living in New York and you're homeless and you're washing windows at a street corner, you're probably not famous. I'm gonna guess. I'm willing to guess. Yeah. Depending on someone your, write in and tell us if we're depending wrong. Depending on <laughs> your drug habits. Yeah. Um, and so Eric got the gig. Eric was beloved by Kiss fans because he was so sweet. He was so he was kind of the Jason Newstead of Kiss. Totally, I get that. I would yeah. say. And then he tragically, at a very young age, in '91, passed away from cancer. Yeah, he had a like a, a cancer in the heart, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to let people down. I don't know the details, but so it is notable. This was his last public re- appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and that's what sad. I, it, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, he was he was just there as intended. He took some photos. That's and hung cool. Out. Two days later, he's in the hospital, and then he died uh, two months later, November, I believe. Yeah. Um, wow. Anyway, so that's kind of the last. Uh, that's just like some notable facts of, of this night. Um, so uh, the performers. I got to. I got to read this list real quick because because it's, it's contextual. It's interesting to hear what Metallica was up against here. Exactly. So Metallica's there, like we talked about, playing Inner Sandman. Very aggressive. Very excited. A little sloppy at points, but. Not to fault, they're they're out there fucking playing their new single. Yeah, and I will have it known that uh, the black album came out. I think about three weeks before this, before this uh, uh, VMA aired. So the performers were Van Halen playing "Pound Cake" with the drill. We know that song. Yeah, uh, CNC Music Factory doing uh, some shit. Uh, Poison talked to me. Things Mar- that make you go home. Which, by the way, that song would be on the list of things that make me go. Hmm. Yeah. I think so. Uh, by the way, when I made these notes for us, uh, I put things that make you go hmm and a melody, uh, a medley of multiple songs because there literally was a list of four songs they compiled together and most oh, CNC Music Factory. Yeah, I never even heard of them. Good God! Um, Another so, thing that makes me go hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poison talked to me. Hmm. Uh, Mariah sure. Carey emotions. Pretty good. 
Pretty good, but yeah. very pop. EMF, unbelievable. Live from the Town and Country Club in London. Good grief. So doing like a live via satellite Was it Electric Music Factory? Is that what that is? I think so, yeah. Uh, Paul Abdul doing Vibology. Don't know that song. Nope. Queensryche, Silent Lucidity. Now that's cool. <laughs> kind of cool. Silent Lucidity. Hush now, don't you cry. <laughs> Silent Lucidity is pretty cool, man. It's kind of cool. I'm not, I learned was that 91? I thought I, that was earlier than 91. I mean, the song might have come out the year before, but they played it on the 91 VMAs. We, you know right now we have listeners that are like massive Queensryche cats. and they're uh, like, Operation Minecraft, bro. <laughs> Hush now, don't you cry. Um, LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out. Cool. Very cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Metallica and Sandman, Don Henley, The Heart of the Matter. Now, this is one of my favorite songs of all time. I swear to God. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Are you, have you not hip to this shit? No, I know the song, but I, it being your, one of your favorite songs of all time does not... I mean, that surprises me. Dude, I'm learning to live without you now, but I miss you sometimes. The more I know... The less I understand, all the things I thought I figured out, I got to try to learn again. That's not even the chorus. <laughs> I'm getting back to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness, even if you don't love me anymore. Wow. Dude, the heart of the matter is the... I'm a songwriter, dude. That's just, I, I would kill to write that song. Hey, hush now, don't you cry. <laughs> 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 I'm a loner, Dottie. <laughs> a rebel. Uh, and then uh, the last two, uh, Guns N' Roses, Live and Let Die, live from Wembley Stadium. Now, I remember this watching watching this show live. First of all, thinking like, how the hell are they doing this? How is Guns N' Roses in in London playing on the VMA? Like, I didn't understand like what... simulcast or, or like... Yeah, what? I didn't understand what live via satellite meant. Right. But I thought it was... What re- is a satellite? What is this? What is via... <laughs> Um, What's via? I just didn't. Understand, I didn't understand it. Uh, and then finally, uh, Prince and the New Power Generation played "Get Off." I wonder what that song's about. <laughs> Whacking off or jacking? Which one? I can't even hold a straight face and talk about this. Uh, so there you go. Those, those are the performers of the '91 VMAs. So that's what Metallica was up against. There's nothing else in there to me. There's good stuff in there. Yeah. LL Cool J, Van Halen. But nothing on on par with what they were bringing to the table. Nothing on par by so any... So they were primed to kind of light that shit up. To me, they, like, they came out and most people were probably like, holy fuck, what is this? Because at that time, 91, they were off the Damage Justice Tour. Yeah. Height of their live game. Yep. They just made their most critically, soon to be critically acclaimed record yeah. with one of their most powerful songs ever. Yes. So they were ready to fucking burn that shit down. Oh yeah, they were totally ready to do that. Um, and this was the first time they performed the VMS. Uh, two, I think, two years prior, they played on the Grammys, played one. Mm-hmm. But this is, I mean, this is like new thing for them. This is yeah. them playing on like primetime television mtv was gigantic back then. oh huge i mean huge. for the for our younger listeners you have no idea how big mtv was from like 85 to 95 i mean mt even if even if you were you know uh aware of mtv in like the late 90s it already sucked then yes it did it did i mean it, it, like with the advent of backstreet boys and corn yeah this was this was still the era of mtv where uh, there might have been a couple like quote unquote reality shows. I think the Real World started in '92. The first two seasons of Original Real World were pretty good, though. Oh, they were good. Yeah, totally. Um, true story. Um, <laughs> anybody? No. Uh, but uh, this was still an era where like it, it was really about music for sure, um, or it seemed to be. I mean, maybe maybe we 
Maybe we look back on it with rose-colored glasses. Maybe, maybe, we're, maybe but we're nostalgic. I mean, nostalgic. I can't. I don't know. I mean, I watched it enough where I feel like the early '90s, especially with like you know, you know, these EMAs, uh, Nirvana, that whole Seattle sound coming out and taking over and kind of killing. What was the thing where celebrities played baseball? Killing. Remember that rock and jock. Rock and Jock. Remember that? Yeah, totally. Like, that was like a holiday at my house. It was remember like MTV Sports with Dan Cortez? Oh, I remember. Uh, oh, dude, yeah. You remember Yo MTV Raps? Of course I do. Ed Lover? Fucking Headbangers Ball, Alternative Ricky Nation. Rackman, dude. Of remember course. from like midnight dude, to. Dude, Headbangers Ball was like. That was the reason I got into Metallica. Dude, Matt Pinfield was like Jesus to me. Matt he Pinfield knew, originally every, did 120 minutes. 120 minutes? Yeah. But he knew everything about everything. Yeah. Pre internet. Oh, yeah. No, he he was an encyclopedia. Uh, he actually, I th- 98% sure he's got a podcast. He, well, I'm he pretty does. sure I he can, lives I can in... confirm that last 2% he does. Okay, I'm pretty sure, he, I think he's based out of Ohio. Guess what Matt Penfield was doing a lot of between 88 and 95? Things that make you go, hmm? Whacking off. Silent lucidity. <laughs> <laughs> because he just said, where did he get all that time to learn about rock music? We should get Matt Penfield on this show. All right, Matt, listen. I know you're listening. Text me later. Yeah, text us later. But when you get done whacking off, you pervert. Well, now he's not going to come on the show. <laughs> or will he come on the show? Side. This is getting <laughs> dirty. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, this is this this era of MTV is is prime for Metallica to show up and play Inner Sandman. Well, isn't it funny how, how <clears throat> timing really is almost as important as the ability to make a great thing? Mm-hmm. Like... They they, did, they they came on the scene, kill them all, sort of pioneered thrash music, ride the lightning, massive, kind of wrote their biggest classics. Yeah, uh, puppets they make the greatest thrash record of all time. Of course, Justice they keep upping it up, but it wasn't MTV and Culture weren't ready for the big Metallica push until they had yeah. made their most commercial album. Totally. Well, prior prior to the Black Album, when they did Justice, like. I did see the one video on MTV, but it was at like, and it was huge for them. It was yeah, at they played mid- it. At, they played it at night. It was at midnight on Headbangers Ball, and it wasn't and it was, on the radio. No, but for it them, might have been on local radio in California or something like. But for them to have Inner Sandman at the peak of MTV, where you guys gotta understand, at this time, if you got a video on MTV, it would break your entire career. Yeah, back then it would. If 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 like it was here that in powerful. 2017, if MTV said we're gonna play your video at four in the morning, who gives a shit? It wouldn't matter. You're still gonna play for five people. Down he, at the here's local where, here's club. what guys like me are, are are banking on: is that Teen Mom Three will play a snippet of a song I wrote, so I can get yep. some licensing. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I had a little clip of a song I wrote on uh, the season finale recap of Jersey Shore. <laughs> no big deal. MBD. Hush now, don't you cry. That's no uh, That's no Inner Sandman in 91 on the VMAs, that's for sure. Definitely not. So, I mean, I remember watching this. Like I said, I taped it. I, I mean, I was obsessed with this performance because this is pre-internet. I had to rewatch that to see any live Metallica performance. You know, and and it was exciting to me. Like I would come home from school and like rewatch that tape, and be like, "God, they look so cool." I'm well, because this is pre pissed. this is pre uh, the release of Binge and Purge. Yeah. So so there wasn't. A, I don't think we had seen a lot of this kind of thing. It was I, a real I treat. Did personally. Yeah. yeah, it was a treat. Totally. And and, and a lot of times when, you, when you're seeing live performances on MTV or VH1, it was a it was a treat for sure. It was like, oh my gosh, like. Because I was still too young, like like this was around that era of that Guns Metallica tour. 
I was too young to go. I yeah. wanted to. I had friends that went, but like my parents just they weren't weren't having it. Yeah. Um. So I didn't I, I didn't know what the live Metallica Metallica experience was, and then I see this, and I was like, oh my god! Like, and that's not even their show. That's just yeah. playing on a TV show. But like, it, it to me, it was it was like this life changing moment. Like, it, it, I mean, I'd already been obsessed with the band and gotten into them, but this was like seeing them live on TV was like. Dude, this is it. This is the band I'm. I'm gonna love forever. Well, and it was interesting too because it, the way they looked, the way they were dressed, James's um, Wizard of Oz, Cowardly Lion vibe he was rocking at the time. Oh yeah, it's badass still. It imprint it imprinted itself on me to where yeah. that's almost Black Album era Metallica because of VMAs, because of Entertainment Video, are sort of my first image of them. Yeah, even all these years later. When I think of Metallica, totally, yeah, the Jerry Curl Kirk windmill pre Skrillex. So what do you call that cut where you cut the? Uh, hey, I did it in junior high. Uh, we just called it shave sides. Shave side, but Jason did shaved all the way around, had the rest long on top, so it covered the sides. When you did the windmill, though, you, you could, could see. see yeah. Oh, it was, it, when you tie it in a ponytail, he's the reason I shave the sides of my head. Now, when I was in junior high and I did it, um, I I didn't know any better. I wasn't actually shaving at that point in my face. Were you using nair? Were you nairing it? Oh no, no. Uh, I I one night I was supposed to go to sleep. I stayed up. I snuck downstairs, grabbed my dad's razor, went into my room and grabbed like a little mirror my sister had, and sat there and just took a razor to the side <laughs> of my head. No shaving cream. No like cut it short first, and just started hacking at it. I didn't know. I had no idea what to do. That's and probably I, what Jason did. So my eighth grade, if I can find it, I will post it on uh, our Instagram. All right. My eighth grade photo, it's just like this stupid wave kind of hairdo. But on the sides, it looks like I'm like there's something missing. And it's because I had shaved the sides of my head. You know what's funny about you saying that? Because you're basically saying, I did this thing because Metallica did it, right? I did, yes. I did it because Jason Newsom did it. And you were a kid, right? Like So that's what you do in your Yeah, kids. I was in eighth grade. And I had no business doing it because my hair was not that long at all. About three weeks ago, solely because James Hetfield does this, I started wearing a bandana in my back pocket when I play on stage. Um, I, anytime I wear jeans, there's a bandana in my back pocket. Have you not noticed that? Did you not look at my ass? I mean, I am. I did it in Detroit. (laughs) I don't know if I did notice that. Yeah. But I'm talking about me. Oh, it's all yeah. about you now. Yeah. I thought it was all about Metallica, but that's fine. Uh, but I do it just because James Heffield, my wife goes like, what's up with that? And I, I had to say to her, because I don't, I don't lie to my wife, I had to say, <laughs> I'm doing J- it because James Heffield does it. I think it looks cool. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> we're both, in, we're both in eighth grade. God. I, I'm almost 39. and But do you do it because James does it? The bandana uh, the, part? The ori- the, uh, originally, when I first started doing that, was probably in high school, and it was because I got into punk rock music and I saw guys doing it. A lot yeah. of like the like punk rock, rockabilly Which kind of Which is probably why James does it, honestly. He probably, probably Lemmy did it or something, and that's why James Something, did it. yeah. But yeah, that's still He's the reason. He's not using the bandana to like wipe his snotty nose or something. No, no. It's, it it's looks cool. Pure affectation. Totally. Um so again, this is the first time they performed the VMAs. They only did it two other times in '96, where they played "Until It Sleeps." Hell yeah! And in 2003, where they did this really awkward kind of medley of uh, other hit songs uh, of the, I think it was like a 20 year anniversary 
Yeah, 03 would have been. Um, so they did like um, Seven Nation Army by White Stripes. They did um, Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. It was kind of weird. And I'm that's, shaking my head no. That's right. the performance where I talked about in our previous episode of Lars wearing Adidas pants. You so, know that they just were in the middle of making St. Anger and they're like, oh, let's go do this thing. And it was, it was just play weird. Play a fucking White Stripes It was song. weird. James had a trucker hat on during it. He didn't sing. There's no vocals. That's so it's all weird. instrumental. Look it God, up. That is so weird. You all look it up. Um, but yeah, so um, they weren't nominated at the 91 VMAs because the Black Album, like I said, had come out three weeks prior. However, uh, the next year... So were they, they just asked to play because the song had already kind of taken off? I think they were. They already become this huge band because of the Black... I mean, the Black Album went gigantic in the first right. fucking day. Right. So they were like, maybe, maybe it was booked before, I don't know, but I'm sure the MTV was like, we have to have that band. Yeah. They're blowing up. That's cool. Um, I, th- I, imagine, I imagine the other performers, maybe not Prince, because Prince doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Or didn't. R.I.P. But I, I imagine Brett Michaels and CeCe DeVille watching Metallica play Entertainment, which we just watched, all that swagger, the power of that song. Yeah. And just shitting their glam. They're like, oh, fuck. Shitting their tight leather pants. And CeCe was like, I dyed my hair pink. How <laughs> about that? How that? He, is that how he talks? Yeah, he talks like this. He's kind of like a New York like uh, kind of guy. Okay. He's ish, you know. You're looking at me like right now like I'm a big Poison fan. You are a big Poison fan. I that, went that's a, been settled. Listen, before, There's no question. Listen, before I got into actual heavy metal, I... Six weeks ago, yes. See, <laughs> we know. Hush now, don't you cry. <laughs> um, yeah, but before I got into Metallica and Megadeth and that stuff, I the first like C, or not CD, the first like cassette I ever like had in my hand was like Bon Jovi. Well, Bon Jovi's legit. Bon but Jovi that led ass. me to Poison and like Cinderella and all these bands. I didn't know any better, dude. I was like, I knew something was up when you, dude. Were, this was like you a, were defending Talk Dirty to me, like no, listen in earnest. I was like, what? Listen, listen to me, okay. This was like fifth grade when this happened. Okay, you can't blame a little fifth grader. That's so mean. I'm not blaming you. You already did. You're calling me a poison fan. I, 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 I am a fan of things that would shock our listeners. Poison is not one of them. There is a special place in my heart for that band. Yeah, you're a fan. Okay, fine. <laughs> now, I, okay, I, I I do own "Open Up and Say Ah" the record with uh, "Everose Has His Thorn." I own it on vinyl. The last God. time I listened to it, hang on. The last time I listened to it, I can't tell you because I don't remember. Yeah, but I own it, and I own the uncensored cover because there's two versions. See, we're just. I mean, when's your Poison podcast booting up? <laughs> That's about all I know. There's no pod, uh, Poison podcast coming. <laughs> All right. Um, so, anyways, back to the. Here's the deal: chances of Metallica ever being on the VMAs again, zero, zero point um, zero. The VMAs zero just happened percent. this week again in 2017. I find it unwatchable. I, I didn't even. Oh, watch it's it. very. I haven't watched it in probably at least five or six years. Um, I just saw a mutual friend on Facebook or something was like. You know you're old when you watch the VMAs and you don't know one performer. Did you really not know anyone? I didn't even look at the list. I just saw that and I was like, yeah, I believe it. I fully believe it. Oh, that was the status update. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd imagine the only person on there that, like, someone you can write in if you really feel like it, um, that performed that I might know is, like, Katy Perry or... Taylor Swift or Beyonce or something. Somebody, yeah. Probably Rihanna. I I checked out on the VMAs a long time ago. 
I mean, maybe we're old, maybe we're nostalgic, I don't know, but uh, in my opinion, from where I sit in this fucking corner of the universe, which right now is in Evan's studio. It's true. We need some we need some Metallica in these things. It's, we it's, do. We, it's medicine that we're missing that we need. We need that power. We need the honesty. We need the lack of tracks, backing tracks. We but need... we've got a band like Metallica showing up to the 2017 Grammys. Well, and getting kind of shit on. Oh, they got shit on First because there's Lady Gaga. They didn't get intru- introduced. They got introduced as Lady Gaga. That's true. And the goddamn microphone's not working. Right. We got no exactly. love, you know? Exactly. But you know what? It is true, though. They did play the Grammy. It was cool. But it, but it was kind of a shit show. It was a shit show. But when you finally got to see the actual performance with the mics working, it was fucking badass. If you we wanna, talked about that on a previous revisit. Was it our first revisited that we talked that about was, the Grammys? I believe our first one, yeah. It was good. Well, they're great. Yes. Metallica's great. Yes. And... If you if you guys are listening and have not seen the ninety one VMAs, you should check it out. It's 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 good. It's it's invigorating. Th- th- there's a couple moments that are like slightly sloppy, but you gotta understand. Like we talked about, there the moment in time, those dudes are so fucking excited. They just released their new record. It is a departure from everything they've done. It's doing well. And they're playing one of the biggest you know TV performances well, they can play. And Ethan and I can both tell you, although. Ethan's already bragged about he's done the Tonight Show before. I haven't done the Tonight Show. No big deal. <laughs> but I have done TV. Ethan's done TV. You can be as confident in the world. You can have the best song in the world. You can have a great band. You can be in a great moment. There's there's no getting around nerves and yep. those things that come along with you're on television. The stakes are really high. You only get one shot to really do it well. Right. And, that, they're, well and this they're was, not and this was their to that. second second like major TV performance ever. And it doesn't matter. They've been on stages all over the world and they the monsters of rock and they did the Moscow. So we, but the second the camera's right. rolling, you're like, Oh fuck. And when there's a stage manager going five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, right. Go. And you're like, Oh shit. What do I, what, Oh, oh we're doing. And you didn't really that. get a proper sound check and you're sharing a deck with a hundred other artists. Yeah, and, exactly. And plus, you know, a little bit of PP was coming out of old James Hetfield's <laughs> PP. Knowing that Prince is in the room, probably watching him. I think he was more nervous about CNC Music Factory. Oh my God! Everybody dance now. That's James's favorite song from '91. Everybody dance. Yeah. Or wait, was that CNC Music Factory? That was, was that? That was to make you go. Um, Bo- both of them. Um. No, Electric Music Factory was one of those. Electric Music Factory. EM, EMF. EMF. Electric. No, that's no, no. Unbe- that's your unbelievable. They, they did. You're unbelievable. Who did Everybody Dance Now? CNC Music Factory. God. I'm trying to tell you this. Sorry, Listen, bro. So I'm older than you. I we know. Got, we got Poison. We got CNC Music Factory. What else do we not know about old Ethan Lux? Solidity. All right. Yeah. Um, but again, go watch this Metallica performance. It's really good. This We're is a, revisiting it. We're checking it out. We are. This you is a, this is a great moment in Metallica history because this was a a, a monumental performance for them. The, you know, they're they're think about it. Their record came out three weeks prior. You have Metallica fans buying the record. Interstam was on the radio. It's I love, probably I love, doing well. I love the setup here. Well, wait for it. Jeez. So Metallica fans are buying the record, as they should. The record's on the radio. The video's on MTV. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you have this whole new audience that, that watches the VMAs. Oh, and they're going, holy shit, what is this? Yeah, and all of a sudden, they see this. They, oh, I've heard that song. Oh, fuck, that's those guys in all black doing the windmill haircut and the shaved yeah. sides and the sick tank top Hatfield's wearing. 
and then all of a sudden, like, it's just another platform for them to just keep. Well, they made exploding. fans for life. I mean, of course. And kids like me were part of that. I mean, I came online with Entertainment Man. So, right. Exactly. Whole generations of people. When we went and saw the stadium tour, many of those people were there because of shit like that. Yeah. Because totally. they watched the VMAs. Yep. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, what more can you say about this performance? I mean, it was fucking awesome, and it's a, it was a monumental time in their history, I think. I think we fucking said it all. I think we literally said all of it. I think we literally did. Literally. All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, go find us on all the shit. <laughs> and email us at mailedpodcastshow.gmail.com. And uh, my last parting words are, hush now, don't you cry. Really? Did, uh, I, did I ever do it? Probably. Because you laughed earlier. And now What's not. the next lyric? Something about Sweet Lullaby. It makes me think of the Pink Floyd song, Mother. Hush now, baby, Mother. baby. No. Oh, dancing. No. Sorry. Hush now, baby, baby, don't you cry. Mama's gonna make... You know the song Mother from Pink Floyd? Yeah. Basically the same fucking... Th- Everything's the same thing. Everything's the same thing, especially if it's Pink Mother Floyd Mother by Danzig. Mother by Pink Floyd. Silent Lucidity by Queensryche. Dyer's Eve by Metallica. Exactly. Hush now, don't you cry, dear mother, dear father. Again, I always hear dear mother, dear father, earth. Dear father, earth. Dear mother, dear father, earth. (laughs) All right, thanks for listening to our revisited number five. Peace. Adios. Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>